Hey guys, this is Leland with What Would Leland Do? Today I'm with my friend Dylan, and we're talking about the two-movie problem and what you need to know about it. Enjoy. Let me try again. No, I think we're good. All right, so uh, I'm here with my friend Dylan today, and we're talking about the two-movie problem. Uh, so the two-movie problem is an idea that Scott Adams talks about, and it's um, we're going to unpack it a little bit more than this, but it's the idea that there can be a set of facts that everybody sees and, and agrees that those facts are real, but when people are looking at those facts, they can tell themselves two totally different stories about what actually happened, uh, the event that actually happened. So, um, one of the examples that, uh, yes, yeah, sorry, I have a million different ways I want to go with this. So, um, but it's it's really important uh, concept for people to understand because as we're living our lives, like things happen and. Uh, our perception of them or, or the way that we perceive the facts isn't always, it's in fact, it's almost never the same way that the person next to us perceived them. Um, and so the two movie problem is sort of the idea that you need to understand that uh, there's sort of no base reality and that we're all in our own movie and telling ourselves the stories uh, about why things happen the way that they do. Um, and it's just helpful communication tool because you can realize a lot of people don't, they're not in your world. They're not watching the same movie that you're, you're watching. Um, How's that? Does that make sense? Is that? Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What'd you think of the, when you got introduced to the, the, the two movie problem, what were your initial thoughts? To me, it, uh, I, I think emotion plays into this two movie issue a ton because, uh, what we are going through emotionally when we experience a certain event influences how we interpret that event in my mind, uh, so much because it's almost like reading a book when you, depending on your state of mind or what's going on in your world at the time that you're reading the book, you're going to extract different lessons than if you were to read that same book, maybe a few months, a year, five years down the road, because you're a different person from when you read it the first time. And so you're always going to experience a certain event based on uh, other things that you've experienced that's naturally how your brain filters experiences and tries to put them in a box but yeah I, I just think emotion and, and where you're at mentally when you experience a certain event is going to determine what your movie is yeah, so I was talking to some of my the guys I coached last night about it, and um, there's a new book called Persuasion out, and it's the whole idea that like that before an event happens, there's all these circumstances that you can do uh, before you maybe ask for the sale or before you ask somebody to sign up that you can set the stage to get a yes. So rather than persuading you right now, I can. And there's all these, like, Tony Robbins tells a story about um, an experiment they did where they would hand somebody a cold cup of coffee or a warm cup of coffee. And then later, the, the person who was handed the cup of coffee would ask what they thought about the person who handed them their coffee. Were they, were they nice or were they, like, mean? Or were they warm or were they cold, sort of? And depending on what coffee they got, it was almost an exact match. I thought they were cold based on, they didn't realize it consciously, but they were getting cold coffee. And then another person was handing them warm coffee and they, they had warm feelings towards the person. So when you're watching your movie, there's all these things that have, that you're probably not even aware of uh, that's influencing how you perceive 
what's going on in the movie. Um, there's another story that I think Tony tells about, you know, if, uh, if you think all Martians steal, right? If you believe that all Martians steal and then you're in a, in a, in a room and something gets stolen and there's some Martians and there's, you know, people from Uranus or whatever country, um, the, the, the way that you're going to see that movie is going to be when you leave the party, when you, that the Martians stole it. And that's persuasion, but it's affecting the way that you're, the way that you're viewing your movie in real time, and like the two movie problem, where another person might be like, they might have lost it, or you know, they might have misplaced it, or there's a bunch of people that were coming in and out of there, and um, but, but there's all these things that that um, I like the persuasion term, but it's like there's these embedded thoughts that that really like give you your opinions on what happens almost uh, before it happens. Um, like your movie's almost already written. It's rare that, so this is what Scott Adams says. He goes, it's rare that when something happens, uh, that, so the two movie problems, say that there's a set of facts. We can use, we'll use the presidential election because this is like the most obvious, this is a really good one for the two movie problem. So um, Do Donald Trump can select it. And if you're a Trump supporter, um, your world's basically the same. Your movie's the same because you thought that he could get elected and he got elected. So there's nothing that's like, uh, out of the norm with what you with your expectations and with reality, right? So your movie is totally intact. Um, but if you're a left wing person and you're a huge Hillary supporter and you thought there was no way that Trump could have got elected, and a lot of people, there's no way from the beginning that he could have ever gotten elected. He wasn't even running to win. He was blah 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 blah. So in your world, he can't win, right? In your movie, well, so then when he wins. You are forced, most people don't say, well, I was a fucking idiot, I was wrong. Like, I just was wrong about my movie, and then they, they, they can go forward. What most people do is they, they rewrite the story that they tell themselves so what happened makes sense. And the more that you have to, like, rewrite the facts, um, the more you get triggered into what, what Scott calls cognitive dissidence. So um, the issue with the two movie problem is that, like, everybody's in their own movie, but sometimes your movie's, like, a really bad movie and it doesn't help or it's, it's not accurate or it doesn't predict the world in a real way but you've twisted the story that you're telling yourself so much um, to fit the facts into your narrative of the movie um, and so like this happens all the time with a really good example is um, you know if you're if you've ever been in a relationship for a really long time and the house gets messy it's like I'm working really hard to keep the house clean. You're not doing very much. And in their movie, it's the exact same thing. It's like, it's like I'm working really hard to keep the house clean. You're not doing very much. And, and so the reason I like this lesson, because I think that everybody should understand that, like, that everybody's in their own movie. And it's helped Sarah, my wife, and I avoid a bunch of fights because we know that you know, my movie is probably wrong a lot of times. It's like, I feel like I've been doing a lot of the work around the house. But that might not actually be true, right? And just understanding that, like, even though I think that, it might not be true, because I don't know what she's doing all the time, and I don't know, you know, any of the other stuff. So understanding that, like, the movie that you're in might not be true um, is, I think, an important, helpful idea. Um, but also understanding that, like, well, that's really... But understanding that a lot of people are in movies and that are really, really bad movies. So, like, they the way that they see the world and the facts that they're, the story they're telling themselves about the facts are, it's just a totally different world that you're in. So you can't, they're not seeing the same thing that you're seeing. Um, have you experienced that? Yeah, I think pride is just a, a huge, 
you know, people talk about seeing the world with rose-colored glasses or, you know, always seeing the negative, but pride in general is that lens in which you see the world. And if you, like you said, if, if you can admit that you may be not so much wrong, but seeing the world in a, in a warped way, always trying to benefit yourself, that is the first step into having those good, humble relationships where there's open lines of communication where, you know, someone can say what they think in the comfort of knowing that they're not going to get blasted for saying, hey, could you pick it up around the house? Like, yeah. um, I feel that you haven't been holding up your end of the bargain or, or whatever the case may be. But, you know, pride is, is such a hard thing to get over. And that really is where some people just cannot see the world on the same plane because they can't get over that certain truth that they hold to be true and I think it was was a Mark Twain that said uh, something along the lines of it's not the thing that you admit not knowing for certain it's the thing that you know for certain that isn't true that's going to end up uh, just destroying you it's in the uh, it's in the movie the uh, the Big Short. It's kind of the premises that it's not the the thing that you doubt that's going to get you in trouble. It's the thing that you know for certain that isn't true. That's what's going to get you in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so to piggyback on that, I have a friend who's like super high IQ. Real, I mean, really smart. And like for me, IQ is like it's a big engine car. Like you got a lot of horsepower, so to speak. It doesn't necessarily make you smart. And so like in the two movie problem, like if you have a high IQ, you can feed yourself a whole lot of bullshit and, and convince yourself that you're being successful. And I'm super guilty of this too. When I've been going down paths that are just like clearly going down in hindsight, but it's like, no, no, like we'll, we'll turn it around. We'll be successful. But like, Anybody watching your movie from the outside is like, no, that's going to fail, like totally going to fail. So, but to piggyback, my, my buddy is really high IQ and, um, and he thinks that he has to be the smartest person in the room all the time and super, super dangerous, like to make, you know, you're never going to make any progress, like period. You don't ever want to be the smartest person in the room, but if you're in the movie where you're the smartest person in the room and your business is struggling and you have people who are or are not smarter doesn't make a difference like does it doesn't make a difference if you're the smartest person in the room or you think that you are um the best ideas could be presented to you and you'll never be able to progress because in your movie you're the smartest person in the room so like to touch on your point about being being prideful or, or being humble maybe the opposite would be you know acknowledging that that in your movie that i always was like it's like i don't know shit. like the the more i learn the more I'm like, oh, I didn't know anything. Like, I thought that I knew something, but like, this is a well of information and there's like, you can look at it from this angle and you can, um, yeah, but I think, uh, I think emotions too. So we're talking about mindfulness and I think that like, if you're in a fight and you, and, and your, your emotions and your hormones get triggered, um, that shapes the way that you see the world. It's like, don't talk to me like that. I can't believe you said that to me. And then you cool off later. And you're like, well, did they really like disrespect me in the way that I thought that they did at the time? You see this in bars like escalate all the time. It's like, did they really say that? In my movie, they were so disrespectful that I had to punch the guy. But then in the person who was sober behind you's movie was like, no, man, he was like complimenting you or he was, you know what I mean? Um, 
But then your hormones get involved, and then it shapes the way that your movie focuses on the rage or anything that like it shapes the way that your movie focuses. Um, but when you can have that refract, refract, refractory period, <laughs> uh, where the emotions can run and you can kind of step back and let them run. And then you can, you know, take a deep breath or you can breathe. Um, you can literally change the way that you're viewing the world or change the way that you're seeing your movie. Um, man, and I know people who are emotional, I'm less emotional than I used to be, but, uh, like you see it everywhere. It's like you, they get triggered. Um, and their whole world warps like instantly, like the whole world warps. Um, and it's never in a good way, right? Like it's never in a good way. Um, one of the other things I wanted to talk about, and this is a, like, a, it's similar to the two movie problem, but it, it's close enough that I wanted to bring it up at least on this podcast. So, uh, one of our other, uh, authors that we like tells a story about uh, him and his wife and how they both value respect. So say that, so one of the wife's, the wife values, values respect, he values respect. Um, but they never really worked on the details. So in both of their movies, they both value respect. And, and the man, uh, he values respect that you never leave the room when you're fighting. You always hash out the conversation no matter what. Whether you raise your voice, you, you never leave the room while you're fighting. That's disrespectful to leave the room, right? Um, that's the way he views respect. So whenever you get in a fight, like we're going to figure it out. We're going to, you know, before we leave the room and then we're going to be done with it, you know, but his wife, you never raise your voice during a fight. Never raise your voice. If you leave the voice, if you raise your voice, then you're emotionally, whatever. And I leave the room. Right. So when they first got together, like they would get in a fight and the man's like, we have to finish this conversation no matter how much yelling it is. And she's like, no, that's, if, if you yell, I have to, I'm leaving because that's disrespectful. They both think that they value respect, but they, they don't know how each other values respect, you know? So, um, I think it's an interesting lesson because a lot of people like, oh, you were being disrespectful and they're like, they, they both can be right or they both can be wrong. Right. It's like you were being, it's like you, we were both being disrespectful in each other's movies because in my movie, you don't raise your voice to me. If you raise your voice, it's just, we're done. We don't talk. We don't do that. Um, but in my movie, you don't fucking leave the room when we're talking. Cause it, you know, um, but yeah, what do you think of that, about that? Is that, um, yeah, I think that corresponds well with the first example that I used of, you know, reading the book it, cause respect, I mean, we're talking about one word here, but it can mean so many different things. And depending on where you're coming from your life experience, you know, she was raised that respect meant. Uh, not raising the voice, otherwise she was going to leave the room to kind of cool things down. He, on the other hand, you know, the way he was raised and his uh, life experience taught him that respect meant that you shouldn't leave the room. It, it, it's the same word that they're talking about. They're both not wrong, uh, but when they're trying to communicate, uh, when they when emotions are high, they don't take the time to connect on that level and maybe see that they're talking about the same thing, but interpreting it two different ways. And I just think that, you know, we're talking a lot about how the two movie problem is a problem. Uh, but I think it can be used for the better as well. And a lot of my background is dealing with adversity and the psychology of adversity. And I know you've read into this some as well. Uh, but two people can be handed the same diagnosis 
and interpret that in two different ways as well. So like with my background in cancer and, and depression, obesity, uh, people can be told that they're not going to make it for reason X, Y, Z, or they have two weeks to live. And they're going to say, you know what, this is my life. This is my movie. I'm going to make of it what I'm going to make of it. And they ended up living way past that and more fulfilling than they ever have. And then on the other hand, other people get that diagnosis and it's completely demoralizing. And on that two week period, you know, they, they're gone. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that <clears throat> the way that we can use this um, perception of reality, I've learned to, you know, always try and see things in a positive light because what's the worst that can happen? You know, if, if you're always seeking the negative, chances are the next thing that can go wrong will go wrong. But if you're seeking the positive in all things, yeah, you might come off as seeing the world in rose-colored glasses and not like uh, not seeing reality as real by most. But that's you know that's that's everything. Everybody's seeing it differently all the time. Why not err to the side of of positive? Well, even yeah. So to even like refine it even more, it's like the two movie problem is. I mean, it's the problem of perspective, right? It's everyone has their own perspective, and perspective is a skill and it's like you've read a bunch of the same books I have a lot of the people who are the best performers or the best in the world who have achieved uh, things that I would consider successful not just wealth but like happiness fulfillment like all of the things that are meaningful in life as well um, perspective is a skill so you know when you have challenges and you have adversity a lot of times like with the persuasion it's like you you should have already made up your mind that challenges are gonna come and you want to know how you're going to tackle them in advance. Like, you want to write your own story for when the facts come already. Like, you want to have, you know, I know there's going to be a challenge. Like, I'm, we're dealing with some dumb business challenge right now. But it's like, it's like we've already decided that, like, how you, like, how you handle adversity is something that's, like, you should have almost predetermined. Um, part of it's, like, working through and going through hardship so you can, you know, develop the calluses or the body armor to do it. Um, but it's, it's a skill. Persp I think perspective is a skill. Like when shit hits the fan, um, what are you doing with those facts? What story are you telling yourself? Is this your, you know, is this the end or is this the beginning? It's like a really good, like, what does this diagnosis mean to you? Is it the end or the beginning? Or, you know, oh, your business is failing. Like, is this the end or the beginning? Are you gonna, um, and so I think that, yeah, for the two movie problem that like, I, I, to, to end on a note that's like helpful because I want people to understand the situation and then understand like what what do you do with it what do you go going forward so um, I guess yeah what are what are some good points that you would have for because this is really your wheelhouse so um, two movie problem you you're, you get some facts that um, maybe a tough diagnosis right like you've been through tough diagnosis. Um, so, you know, there's your mom or your, your parents, everybody's looking at the same sets of facts and they're all telling themselves a story about those facts. Like, oh, my son's gonna, my son's gonna die. My, my wife's gonna be sad that my son died. My, this is this. But you were telling yourself a different story. Um, or maybe you were telling yourself that story for a little bit and then you evolved to a different story and you got hope and you, you know what I mean? Um, 
But what might be some advice that you would give for people who want to work on their, I mean, you can break it down to like, work on their two movie problem, work on improving their perspective and, and controlling the way that they see the world. Yeah, I just think seeing the world as, the, the big thing for me is like the abundance versus scarcity mindset, right? So you, you can either see the world as limited supply of opportunity or you can see the world as full of opportunity. And so once you start to see the world as full of opportunities, it doesn't matter if it's positive or negative because that's also perception. Like mm-hmm. positive and negative, the ideas of those two things are purely perception. Two people can look at the same event and perceive it as positive or negative. And most people don't think that that's really a choice but at the end of the day, it certainly is a choice to see the world in a positive or negative abundance or scarce mindset. And so <clears throat> when you look at the world with an abundance mindset, you can say, okay, I'm 60 pounds overweight right now. I can say that's the death of me, like I'm forever gonna be obese and I'm gonna have all of these health challenges and, the, and, and my life is just gonna be really tough because I'm obese and life is hard. Or you can look at that same scenario and say, you know what, I am going to get back to the weight that I should be at or where I feel healthy at and I'm gonna use that experience to help other people get over that same scenario because they're again there there's so many other people that are going through the same thoughts the same mindset of victim mentality i'm i'm a subject of my surroundings what can i do about it or you can say you know there is something that you can do about it and here's what i did this may help you too so i just think seeing the world as full of opportunity rather than uh, seeing the world as any any given negative uh, occurrence as a as a death sentence or you know the end, it makes all the difference. There's a really good and that was that was awesome. Um, there's a really good like proverb and I'm not gonna get like even close to like what it is, but it's sort of it goes to it's my one of my favorite things for positive and negative events. It's like um, and it's like the guys in a village and. Uh, a couple of his horses run away and, and his neighbor comes by and he's like, oh, that's so, so bad that that happened. Like you lost some of your horses. And he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll see like what happens. Right. And the next day the horse comes back, but it like found three or four other wild horses with it. So he had four more horses. Guy comes back and he's like, oh, what a blessing. Like what a good event. Right. You're, you have four more horses now. Like who would have thought? Like, so he's going bad, good. Right. Um, well then the, the guy's son is trying to break the wild horses and he's like, trying to ride him and break him and he falls off and he like breaks his leg and the guy comes back and he's like oh your poor son like what a bad event you know you poor guy well then like a week later the military's coming by they're looking for young people that they need to help fight the war they look at the son with the broken leg and it's like oh he can't fight you know he's you know got a broken leg it's like oh what a blessing and so all these things and the, another good analogy you know so all these things can happen and it's like don't judge it right now right because you don't know what's gonna come, right? One of the, another analogy I like, it's like if you're driving in traffic and some asshole uh, cuts you off really you know, hard and then speeds up and you miss the light. And you, like a lot of times you see people like slam on their brakes and just get like, 
get pissed off or get triggered. It's like, what an asshole, right? It's like, and I remember seeing a clip of, of that happening, a guy slamming on the brakes, hitting the red light, and then the car that cut him off got T-boned. And it would have been him 100% for sure. And it's like, there's this little refractory period where he's like, I can't, I have trouble saying that, where he's emotionally like, over, just pissed, right? And then half a second later, truck gets T-boned, he realizes that that would have been him and the asshole who cut him off, you know, is probably dead, but also like sort of saved his life. And, and it's just one of those things where I think a lot of times with, I mean, with the two movie problem or with dealing with adversity, people are, are often, they're quick to, to jump the gun with what it means. Um, and I think you're a really good example of it, but like, man, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Um, and yeah, and that's a little bit off from the two movie problem, but it's like at the essence of it, it's like perspective. Um, and understanding that everybody is in their own world, they're all looking at you differently, your mom looks at you differently than you look at you, your dad looks at you differently than you look at you, I look at you differently than you look at you. Um, everybody is in there, has their own uh, caricature, their idea of, of how people are or what's taking place in events. Um, cool, I think we've beat it to death. Have we beat it to death? I think so. Cool. Uh, the two movie problem, if you uh, <laughs> wanna work on it, um, Study perspective, psychology, work on your emotions, um, and yeah, that should be good. So, two movie problem. Thank you, Dylan. I appreciate it very much. Thank you.